welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday the 21st of June 2009 and here is Brother Tom Canfield. Well good morning. It's great to be back and see the changes in the what 13 years. <laughs> um, we have prayer cards on the back table and so we ask that perhaps if you are willing to pray, please grab one. We have a, a square one. And then this one is a, a bookmark. And I've told people around America, and so I'll tell you as well. If you use it to mark your Bible for your daily reading, and then just each day as you open, 10, 15 seconds that God would use us to honor and glorify him. Uh, this is my wife, Denise. My oldest son, Josh. And then the three little ones, Hannah, who's nine, Abigail is five, and Caleb, who's three, all went back. <laughs> so, my family and I are teaching in a Bible college in Kenya, East Africa. And years ago, as I was telling Pastor, when I was here in 96, and Brother Kissler was preaching. I never thought that today, or I never thought I'd be going back to Africa. I always thought to myself, if I commit my life to the Lord, he's gonna, he'll give me the desires of my heart. Well, I grew up some out in the islands of the Pacific, out past Hawaii, and I always thought, okay, Tom, you loved it there, and the Lord is going to send you back to some tropical island where you'll be able to serve him. And I got the opportunity after Bible college to go teach in Africa and do vacation Bible school. And can I tell you what changed my heart? The little children. You ever turn on the television and you see those TV commercials for, I don't know, the charity but many of them, they show the children with the little bloated tummies. And, and those were the people, the kids, who we were ministering to in vacation Bible school. Kids just like that. And I work with another missionary who had started a school, and I teach in it. And he's the one who asked me to come over, and I went to him, and I was concerned. I'm, I said, what can we do? for these kids. And some of these kids, the slums is one of the, I believe it's the largest slum in the world, but it's somewhere a mile to three miles wide and seven miles long. And these, some of these kids come out of those slums to one of the churches where we do vacation Bible school. And I asked pastor, what can we do to feed him? And he said, Tom, if we had millions and millions and millions of dollars, we couldn't, we couldn't feed all these kids. And it broke my heart, because I'm thinking, these kids are starving. And it struck me, if it were my child, if it were my child, what would I want them to have? Would I want them to be nourished and physically healthy, but spiritually dead? 
Or would I want them to have the opportunity to receive Christ as their Savior? And so that's what the Lord used in my heart, is I can't feed all those children. And, and you and I will never feed all the starving children of the world. But we do have something that will give them an eternity in heaven where they will never starve, where there will be no tears. But it takes, the, it takes trusting Christ. And that's this verse. This morning we'll be looking, or we'll be jumping off, if you will, in Matthew 6 and verse 33. And it's very familiar. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray quickly. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross, that we could spend eternity with you, Lord. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your word, that you would use it. You would use it this morning to bring us closer to you, that you would use it to strengthen us, that we might be better servants for you. Lord, and if there's one here who knows you not as their Savior, Lord, I ask that today would be the day that you would work on their hearts, draw them to you, that they might trust you as their personal Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The first part of this verse is to seek first the kingdom of God. And it breaks down, you know, it breaks in three simple divisions, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seeking first the kingdom of God speaks directly to salvation. Around, I know in America, they claim, we claim 80% as a nation Christians. In Kenya, it's nearly 80% Christians. But is that the biblical term for Christian? I don't think it is. And I know in Kenya and in America it's not, and I don't know the statistic here. But I know the world has taken the word Christian and broadened it out so far that people who know not the name, who, who have not never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin are calling themselves Christian. And if we, if we were to turn over to the book of Acts, we would see that, and they were first called Christians in Antioch. Why were they, why were they called Christians? Because they were modeling their life after Jesus Christ. People could look at them and say, you are just like that Christ whom we crucified. They had a changed life because they had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So what is this, seek ye first the kingdom of God? Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and narrow is the way salvation that leads you to heaven. First of all, to be a Christian, you need to have placed your faith for the forgiveness of your sin in Jesus Christ. Because there's only one way to heaven, 
only one. And the world would like to tell us that broad is the way. Many roads lead to heaven. All you got to do is have faith. And quite frankly, that's not the way. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's every one, every one of us, inside these doors and outside these doors. And there's only one righteous God. There's only one God-man who left the glories of heaven. Jesus Christ came down. He died on the cross that we might receive forgiveness for our sin. And, and today, I don't know, most of you sitting here have probably trusted Christ as your Savior. But perhaps there's one of us, one amongst us, who hasn't. I know in Sunday school, uh, Brother Steve was talking about the tares. You know, there are many in churches across America, and perhaps even here, who go to church, they're faithful in church, they're faithful in their giving, and yet they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And from the, from the outside, we, you know, we really can't tell. We can't tell. Have they put their faith and trust in Christ? Because one says, I'm a Christian, does not mean that they've trusted Christ. And you can tell that. I mean, you can turn on the television across America and see people who are supposedly pastors, preachers, who by their lifestyle, I would say obviously they do not have the fruit of the Spirit. They are not, I doubt seriously that they have truly trusted Christ as their Savior. And yet they name the name Christian. And I think there are many in our churches around the world who haven't trusted Christ and yielded their life to him. And today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. If you haven't done that, today is a great day to do that. I was telling Pastor, when we were in Kenya, I, I was there a total of about eight months. And I don't mean to be vulgar, so please understand. While I was there that eight months, I saw eight people who went into eternity beside the road. They had been hit, struck by an automobile. And I also, one day, we were trying to find uh, gas for our stove. And I crossed the street, and a car, all of a sudden I heard skidding, and a car swerved off, swerved off the road and hit me. You know, I can tell you honestly, that morning that I got up, I wasn't thinking that I was going to be struck by that automobile that day. And I can almost guarantee you that those eight people that I saw beside the road 
They didn't get up that morning thinking, oh, today I'm going to go meet the Lord. Today I'm going to be sent off into eternity. Yet, the Lord called them. And none of us in this room know when God is going to call. I don't care if you are small or you're mature in age. We don't know when God is going to call us. And we need to be prepared. In America, they would say there's no backing up. God gives us this one opportunity to put our faith and trust in him. And that's our life in this world. And the day this body dies, there's no backing up. This life is about what did we do with Jesus Christ? To be a Christian, you need to have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. To seek first the kingdom of God. The second part of this verse is and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, quite frankly, they come in a package. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, his righteousness is imputed to you. That means you didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. It is God gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So when we stand before God the Father, he doesn't see sinful Tom. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the same is true for everyone who truly knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. You have the righteousness of God. So can I ask you a question? So then what should this righteousness look like? Because remember, in in Antioch, they were first called Christians. That's where it started. So for you and I, Scripture tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. That means apart from Jesus Christ, our righteousness, if you will, is garbage to God. That's my words. So the best I can be as one who has never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, if I had never done that, the best I can be is not good enough. Imagine, if you will, if you were to, I think of Disneyland in America. A lot of people, it's the place they want to go. But let's say it costs, I don't know, 999 billion pounds to get in. You'd say, well, I can never afford it. In, in countless lifetimes, I would never have the money to get in. And, and you went there and you said, I have, you know, whatever it is, 100,000 pounds. I have, it, it would be like taking garbage to the gates of heaven. I'm a pretty good guy. I've been to church all my life. The doors were open and I was there. As a matter of fact, I preached in several churches. I, I taught Sunday school. I I led children in children's church. I gave money to the poor. I did good things. I was kind to my neighbor. I helped widows and orphans. 
and we take that to God and say, we're good. I deserve heaven. That's what most people would like to think. But the truth of the matter is, our righteousness, the best we can be, apart from Jesus Christ, is filthy rags. Because one sin, one sin bars you from entering heaven. And we need the righteousness of Christ. Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If you're sitting here today and you never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will never enter into the kingdom of God. It cannot be done. Though many would weep or light candles or pray, you cannot enter the gates of heaven. You will not spend eternity with the Lord because you have not the righteousness of Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I often, I think about, as, as you read through Matthew chapter 6, if we were to go back, I think about what does a Christian look like? And in verse 1 of chapter 6, take heed that you do not your alms before men, and alms would be your giving to the poor. Because it goes on, to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father is in heaven. And if you, if you go down to the end of verse 2, it says, they have their reward. Why do we do what we do on this earth? If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, why do you do what you do? And what do I mean by that? Why do we live the life we live? I used to own a, 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 a company, and we had 69 lorries. We traveled all across America. And I had a pretty good income, a six-figure income, and I often thought, I have it made. We gave some to missions, and we gave some to the church, and, and we did our part. But I also, if you came to my house, you would have seen a boat, uh, a big four-wheel drive. We, do they call them SUVs here? SUV? I had a big diesel four-wheel drive pickup. I had a motorcycle. I had a lot of things, and I was saved. I gave to my church. I gave to missions. I gave over and above my tithe. But you know what? Someone walking down the street, there really was not a whole lot of difference. If you looked at Tom, you, you wouldn't know he was saved. It's not that I cursed. But I had not more or less lived for the Lord. And that's, take heed that you do not your alms before men. Do you give to be seen giving? 
or do you give that God may receive the glory? If you go down through this uh, in, in verse five, it says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Do you do what you do to be seen? When you pray, I tell, when, when, we're pub, when we're out in public and we go eat, we pray just as if we were at home. So what I'm not, and what this is, this isn't saying don't pray publicly. The point is, is we don't go, oh God, help us poor sinners today. So that you're a spectacle. That, it, that's what it's saying. It's saying don't be a spectacle. Don't do things to draw self to self. In, I like to think, whose kingdom are you building in what you're doing? I think back when I had all those boat, that boat and two cars for just me. Who, whose kingdom was I building? I had a nice house, I think 2,500 square feet on six acres. And whose kingdom was I building? Mine. And in this life, what do we do with what we have? What God has given us? Our time, our talent, our treasure? Whose kingdom are we building? In, in our prayer, in our giving, from time to time, you can turn on the television or radio or, or newspaper and you hear of someone who gave millions of pounds or millions of dollars for this project or this school or that orphanage or this cause. And tell me, who gets the glory? They do. And we, you and I, as Christians, we're to do all to the glory of God. And so his righteousness in us should be, people look at you and I, and they should go, you are just like that Christ. You're different. And really, I had to ask myself, when people look at me, who do they see? Who do they see? Do they see Christ or do they see Tom? And to be quite honest and quite truthful, sadly, most of the time they see Tom. And can I tell you, it shouldn't be that way for any of us who name the name of Christ. Because when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you received his righteousness you received the gift of the Holy Spirit to indwell you, to live within you, to empower you to live a Christ-like life. And as we yield to the Spirit, we will not obey the lusts of the flesh. We won't. Problem is, we have a power struggle. I want to do what I want to do. 
and our pride gets in the way. And I think of the athletes around the world who God has gifted or the, the people who God has gifted mentally and financially and, and who, who generally gets the glory. Well, you know, I've been golfing since I was five years old. And well, that's how I can go out. Or I've played basketball all my life or football. Well, you know, I, I, have a, I do have my doctors in business from you name the school. I worked long and hard. And how, how many times do... I don't know how many times later on you'll be talking with somebody and they'll go, oh, I'm a Christian too. And you think to yourself, I never would have known. But the, the stark reality is, how many people have you said, oh, I'm a Christian too? And they go, I never would have known. I know in my own life, I think, Lord, help me that my testimony goes before me, that I live a Christ-like life, that your righteousness can be seen in me. It, it goes on as, as you read through chapter 6. First, it touches on your giving, your prayer, and then it goes into the Lord's Prayer. In verse 9 of chapter 6 of Matthew, After this manner therefore pray, Ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Hold on. Put on the brakes. I was raised in the Catholic Church since I was born. And I don't know how many times I prayed that. And one day as I was reading through this, it struck me, and forgive us our debts. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Wait a minute, have you ever stopped to think about that? How do I forgive people who have sinned against me? Lord, forgive me, not like I forgive, but like you forgive. Lord, help me to forgive like you forgive. Because in that, in that prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you forgive like Christ forgave? We have the power to. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior... Years ago, when I owned that company, I owned about 40% of that company. And I had three brothers who owned the other 60%. And one day they came to me and they, in our most profitable year in our history, they came to me and they told me, either you go, two of my brothers, or we go. We think we can do better without you. And can I tell you, I had given up a full-ride scholarship 
at a major university, Bible university in America, because I couldn't leave my brothers. That was my thought. Is I'm not going to leave them. And I felt the Lord tugging on my heart to serve him and go to Bible college. And for the longest time, I really struggled. I ended up selling out my portion of the company to them at an extreme discounted rate just because I was, I was hurt. And I struggled with this forgiveness. Here we had worked some 15, 18 years building this company. At that point, we were doing somewhere around $10 million a year. I owned 40% of that. It was the most profitable year ever for our company. They were putting the most money in their pocket ever. And they came and said, we can do better without you. I ran the company, by the way. They may as well have just stabbed me. And I struggled. And so I took it from the Lord that, okay, you're supposed to be off in Bible college. And I moved away, sold out, moved away. And I don't know, for the first probably two years, I really struggled forgiving them because we'd worked together for 18 years. These were not only Christian brothers. These were my physical brothers. And that's probably when this really hit me the most. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you forgive like Christ forgives? And you might be saying, Tom, you don't know what they did to me. Oh, sure, that was just business. But you don't know what people have done to me or what happened to me. The truth of the matter is, no, I don't. But the fact of the matter is, he does. And he died on the cross to forgive you your sins, that you might have a righteous life before God. He gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit that you might live a Christ-like life. The living God indwells you. And through that power, you have the ability to forgive those who have sinned against you. And tell me, what better testimony is there than forgiving someone, though they haven't even asked, and them coming up to you later and say, I wronged you. And yet, you are always kind. You're always considerate of me. You pray for me. Why? Because my God forgave me. It, it makes it easier. And, you know, statistically they say one who does not forgive generally bears the biggest burden, the most health issues, the most physical, mental, and spiritual issues. You don't have to do that. Forgive. Lord, forgive. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Help me to forgive like you, that people may see Christ in me and ask that I may be a witness unto you. We can do it.
We have the gift of the Holy Spirit if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, and you can do it. You can put it behind you. Can I tell you what? I get along with all my brothers, and not because of me, because of him. It goes on, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites, a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. As you read through chapter 6, whose kingdom are you building? Yours or God? Who is being seen in your life? You or Christ? It goes on, lay not up in verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor, nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As, as a Christian, as one who has put their faith and trust in Christ, our treasure should be what Christ treasured. I told you about my boat, my house, and all that. You know, if, if you would think with me, when Jesus Christ, when God said, I'm going to send you to, to earth to redeem man, to buy them back from their sin, he could have come as a king. He could have come at any given time. He could have come at this time. With radio, television, internet, oh, what a ministry he would have had. But he didn't. He didn't come as a king. He didn't come now. Think, think with me. What if, if Christ had come now, all the oil? Who, who would he have? He'd have been the most important man. People would have sought after him. Where's the oil? Where are the diamonds? Where's the gold? Where's the treasures of this earth? Because you know what? He knows where it all is. He put it there. Oh, well, just up, up, up two streets and to the right, dig down 680 meters, and, and there you go. You got more money than you'll ever need. He didn't. His, he valued the souls of men, women, and children. That is what he treasured. That is why he left the glories of heaven. You and I should treasure what Christ treasured. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth, but in eternity. We need to be about the business of souls. And you don't have to, let's see, it's not 9,000 miles from here. I don't know what it is from here to Kenya. You don't have to go that far. What's the sign say? The mission? It's right outside those doors. Sometimes it's right inside the doors. Sometimes it's those little kids. That's your and my job. More specifically, your job here. Your neighbor, your co-workers, your children. I don't know how many Christians I've met in church 
And I start talking to them. And they say, oh, I wish my kids would get saved. And I said, well, do you guys, do you guys ever read your Bible? Well, no. Well, do you pray with them ever? No. Well, mom and dad, what are you doing with your kids? Are you sharing God's word? Or is that the Sunday school teacher's job? No, it's yours and my job as parents. What about my neighbor? Do I ever have him over for tea or coffee or and just get to know him and and pray, Lord, give me opportunity at work. I worked at a, a spare auto parts spares. Uh, we had a big chain in uh, based in Arizona. And I worked in their corporate office. I think we had, I don't know, four or 500 people, all of us in little cubicles. And I used to pray daily while I was at that job. Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And I can tell you, not every day did I get to share the gospel. And not when I got to share the gospel, sometimes it was only a short bit. But I can honestly tell you, I got to witness to everybody in our department, everybody, and people outside of our department in addition to that. And I honestly thought at the time, okay, Lord, I'm doing what you asked me to do. I am sowing the seed. Or I'm watering, I don't know which. But Lord, the results are up to you. And so I was satisfied, because, and I was excited. I got to share the gospel. The first time we got to go to Africa, we, ha- we actually, where we live, we don't have phones. And so we had to walk up. It was about a 20-minute, 15, 20-minute walk up to the Internet Cafe so that we could check our email. Well, one day, Denise went up, and she was checking the email, and she came back down, and she had a piece of paper in her hand, which she normally never had a piece of paper in her hand. And she had that piece of paper, and she's telling me, Tom, you got to read this. And her voice was shuddering. And she had tears in her eyes. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to read that because you got bad news. And she's holding it out, and it's kind of shaken. You need to read this. And I'm thinking, no way, no. And you know what, can I tell you, honestly, that's, at least in America, and if you're anything like we are, we're afraid of what we don't know. And that's sharing the gospel. Well, they may, they may be rude to me. They're going to be unkind if I go to share the gospel. And I really don't want to do I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. They may not like me. They may laugh at me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to face it. And you know what? It's a lot like that, that paper she had. You know what? I finally did relent and take the paper. And you know what? When I opened it up, there was great news inside. It wasn't, it was nothing to fear. I opened it up, and one of the people I used to work with wrote, Tom, I just wanted to thank you for sharing the gospel. I just wanted you to know I trusted Christ as my Savior. 
It was like three or four lines, and that was about it. You know what? That's what it's like sharing the gospel. I, we rejoiced. Her tears were not tears of sadness or fear or rejection or someone cruel to her. They were tears of joy. And you know what? When you share the gospel, sometimes you may get laughed at. Sometimes you may get mocked or yelled at. It's true. But you know what? There's going to be times when you have such tears of joy that someone has trusted Christ as their Savior and entered the kingdom of God. That's a, and a change for not only a lifetime, but for eternity. I like to say, you know what? Every one of us is called to full-time Christian service. Every one of us, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. You want the blessings of God on your life? Yield to full-time Christian service. And that doesn't mean go give up your job or it means, Lord, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I value what you value. I want to value what you value. Lord, help me to value what you value. Help me to live a Christ-like life before a lost and dying world that they may see you in me, that I may share the gospel. That people will look at me and not guess or say, oh, I never knew you were a Christian. That they may look at me and go, you are different. How do you? The boss just yelled at you for no reason and you sat there and you were humble and meek. How do you do that? Well, let me tell you how. And you know what? Then in verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are all these things? Everything you will need in this world to live for life and godliness. I could probably spend, you don't want to sit here, but I could probably spend the next two, three hours telling you how God has blessed my family and I as we yielded our life to serve him. We had a house in Arizona. Let me tell you a few things. And we sold it so that we could go to Kenya. And yet we had people say, oh, you sold your home and you spent all the money in Africa to share the gospel and, and teach in the Bible college. And oh, what a sacrifice. Oh, you guys are so, and I'm thinking, no, you got it so wrong. Our God has blessed us a hundred times over what I could have ever done for him. It was no sacrifice at all. We actually, when we had little Caleb, while we were expecting him, my wife had a blood clot. And so in 2005, after being in Kenya for only five months, we had to return to America for medical reasons. We originally went over with very little support, and we're going to get a job in the American Embassy and just do ministry and tent making, if you will. When we got back to America, we had a, a house to live in for free. We stayed in that house for a year and a half. Someone gave us a, a big luxury automobile, and they said, you keep it until you go back to Kenya. And it was like brand new. 
It was a few years older, but it was in brand new condition. The man would even call us on the phone. Oh, how many miles are on the car? Okay, I'm going to come and get it this, this Saturday and, and wash it and change the oil, and I'll have it back to you right away. My children would wake up. They couldn't wait for Sunday morning or Wednesday. Is today church day? Can we go to church today? It was just not financial. There were spiritual blessings, financial blessings. Uh, God took care of the medical. When we got back to Arizona, God took care of us. And can I tell you, because we're, I don't, it's not because we're a missionary. It's because we're his. First question is, are you his? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you received his righteousness? Has it been imputed unto you? Everybody wants the, and all these things. And many of us go out and work long, hard hours for all these things. And I think back to when I used to do that. And all I really had to do was yield my life to the Lord in salvation and in service to him. Lord, use me to bring honor and glory to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's not a tricky combination. It's not, in America they say, all you got to do is get out there and work hard, and you can do it. Can I tell you? All you got to do is depend on him, and he'll do it. And that's the truth of the matter. You can depend on him for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sin. You can depend on him to give you his righteousness. And you can depend on him to meet your needs as you do. And it's, it's like salvation. Once you see God alive and working in your life, you don't want to back up. It's not that there ain't no backing up. You won't want to. Is God alive in your life today? Have you trusted him? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. I do thank you for your word. I thank you for each one here. Lord, I pray that you would use your word to draw us closer to you. Lord, and if there's anyone here who does not know you as our Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they trust you, Lord. And for those of us who know you as the Savior, Lord, help us to yield our lives to you the Spirit and the Spirit of God that we may be called Christians, not because we say it ourselves, Lord, but because others look at us and see you in us. Lord, I pray that you would use this church as a lighthouse unto you, that many would come to know you by its members and its testimony, their testimony of you. Lord, I just thank you and praise you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.